Bill. Tried to come in and find you, but these damn goblins are ridiculous. As if they don't know who I am. They act like they don't even know who you are. Anyhow, I just wanted to introduce you to the person they sent over from Charismatics because the PAP diversion enchantments are up and running, and they're amazing. Honestly, Mick just flew out there on Viking. That's the biggest dragon we've got, and we're entirely safe from two miles into the shoreline to two miles out past Azkaban. These spells are exactly like the ones your old girlfriend used during the war. Seriously. Go introduce yourself. The charms at Gringotts will be restored in no time. Gotta go. Goblins trying to strip search me. Charlie. Bill threw the note into the top drawer of his desk along with his identification badge, which he was tired of feeling around his neck, and looked around his office. It was unusually tidy and had been ever since he'd taken the job in London. In Egypt, he'd come and gone, securing treasure and busting curses all over creation, and there had never been time for cleaning up offices. But here, he only worked in the lower vaults of the bank itself. He was often at his desk, therefore, and had taken to keeping it clean. He had to admit he was bored. London was great, England was home, and it was good, if trying, to be with Charlie. Best of all, he felt like a real help to his father. But, Bill admitted to himself, picking up a polished stone model of a pyramid and standing it up in his palm, he wouldn't have minded facing down a sphinx or a sand wraith or blasting apart a particularly difficult shield. The Death Eaters had left some corkers in the depths of Gringotts, of course, but those were mostly eradicated by now, leaving Bill's work a series of menial, almost boring tasks. He wanted a challenge. He wanted sunshine and travel. He thought of his mother, who was finally occupied by something other than her son's affairs, and knew that he could make an escape without notice if he went very soon. The birth of Percy and Penelope's son had the whole family wild with joy. They'd hardly bat an eye if Bill suddenly disappeared to the other side of the world. He clasped the pyramid in his fist and made himself a few quick promises. He would help his father destroy the Dementors, giving that problem his full attention once Gringotts was entirely restored. Until then, he'd help the charmer to get acquainted with the bank. It would speed the process along, and when all of it was done, he'd go back, perhaps to Egypt, perhaps to a new country. Bill rested the pad of his thumb on the point of the pyramid and thought. He could go to South America. The Mayan temples had always intrigued him. Or he could try Rome. The ruins there were fascinating, and that wizard culture was entirely different from the one he knew. And there was always New York. People said it was the one place where you couldn't tell the muggles from the wizards. Or you could go to France, his mind interjected. Bill laughed briefly and wryly at himself, but allowed the thought to stay. He had stopped punishing himself for every thought that had led back to Fleur. He supposed he couldn't help it if a beautiful woman hung about in his memory. And besides, there weren't any girls in his life to distract him at the moment. Perhaps one of Charlie's dragon's riders would be interesting, or perhaps someone would show up at the ministry before long. No one at Gringotts was even a remote possibility, though Bill was getting sick enough of his mother's any love in your life, dear, at every family dinner, to consider dating a goblin. Even his father had asked him if he was dating anyone. How about Rose Brown? Quite pretty. But Bill had only laughed. Mick was very clearly working that corner of the room. No, there was no one at the moment. 
Even the memory of Fleur grew dimmer all the time. At least, he liked to think that it did. Bill plunked the little pyramid onto his desk, stood up, and stretched. He was sick of desk work and daydreams. The quicker he met the new charmer and got him adjusted to the twists and turns of the underground vaults, the quicker he'd be back in the desert, battling sand wraiths. He left his office and walked down the dark, twisting corridor, making eye contact with each goblin he passed. He discovered that they were more likely to trust him that way, and though they glared beetily at him as he went by, he was not detained until he rounded a corner and came to a short corridor. It was lit by just one lamp, and etched above the stone archway were the words, Temporary Gringot Staff. Standing in the archway were three goblins, all narrow-eyed and sharp-toothed. They never trusted temporary staff, and now they glowered at Bill as if, by coming to this place, he was no longer a long-standing Gringotts employee. "'Hey, Bogsmack,' he said as easily as he could, to the only one of them he was familiar with. "'I'm here to introduce myself to the wizard from Charismatic's Spellcraft, the one who will be working on restoration. Can I pass?' "'Identification?' said the goblin on the left. Bill nodded and reached for the leather cord on his neck, then groaned. It wasn't there. He'd left it in his desk drawer. It's in my office. Bill Weasley, curse breaker. If one of you would escort me back for it... I'm afraid not, said the one on the right. Not another step down these halls until we have proved your identity. Oh, come on, Bill tried. Bogsmack, you know it's me. Polyjuice, Bogsmack replied thinly. Glamours. Shape-shifting. These means have all been employed, in the past, to confuse us and take advantage of this bank. The goblin pulled a scroll from his pocket and unrolled it in his thick, knobbly fingers. His clawed nails glinted in the dim light. William Weasley, he read, also identifiable by birthmark. Now, just a second. But Bogsmack ignored Bill's protest and continued. Lower back, center, just above the tailbone. Eight large dark freckles in the shape of Cepheus. Bill knew it was useless to fight. He'd been careless, leaving that ID behind. He knew better. Grudgingly, he untucked his shirt and lifted it slightly, turning away from the goblins. Immediately, he was pushed against the damp wall. His nose crushed up against it, and his forehead smacked hard on the stone. Easy, he yelled, turning so that his cheek dug into the wall. Goblin hands pushed up his shirt and tugged down on the waist of his pants, and he felt a pointy fingernail touch each of his oversized freckles. There are only seven here, one of them finally said. Seven freckles. I put in for a correction to that list, Bill said irritably. It's been wrong for three months. Cepheus only has seven stars. Check a map. That's true, Bogsmacked asked his cohorts. There was a shifting of fabric. Perhaps one of the others had shrugged. Well, it's obviously Cepheus, Bill said, growing more annoyed all the time. And it's a birthmark, isn't it? Birthmarks were, for some odd reason, the only body features that left unchanged by Polyjuice potions. It's not as if anyone else is going to have one just like that. Scrape at it, said one of them. See if it's paint. It isn't paint. But Bill shut up when he saw a door swing open at the end of the short corridor. That had to be the charmer. Bill winced at the thought of meeting him with goblin hands up his shirt. He felt them pull his trousers down over the band of his knickers. This would make a wonderful first impression. Look, are you done? Bill hissed, hoping for a quick escape. He could go back to his office now, grab his badge, and meet the charmer under better circumstances. 
I don't remember what Cepheus looks like, one of them admitted. Inkhorn, go and get the book. For God's sake, Bill cried in frustration, still staring at the door down the hall and hoping no one would come out of it. But to his horror, someone did. The first thing he registered was the hair. Sleek, so light in color that it appeared pale even in the orange light of the one lamp, and so long that it eclipsed the face, profile, and even the waist of the person in the doorway. The charmer was a woman, after all. She tossed her hair behind one shoulder and peered down the hall, her expression a mixture of curiosity and annoyance. When she locked eyes with Bill, however, her face went white and her mouth dropped open. Bill felt his features mimic hers as his heart stopped briefly in his chest. It was Fleur. A series of images flashed through Bill's mind, suddenly as sharp as they had been in the weeks following their only meeting. Her eyes full of tears for Percy. That was perhaps the strongest memory. Bill nearly opened his mouth to tell her that he was a brand new uncle, that his brother's baby had been born beautiful and healthy, that they still had a living piece of him. It was a nearly overwhelming urge, and for some reason he felt that she had the right to know, as if they had been friends for a very long time. He could anticipate her reaction. He knew she would be thrilled for his sake. He remembered her sister, lost in Mont saint Muriel and he still wanted to lift her grief. He remembered the way she had built the diversion enchantments with simple, powerful efficiency, her fingers steady, cursing under her breath. He still wanted to watch her work. He remembered everything, down to the fit of her form against his, her hands on his neck, sliding beneath his ponytail, the first soft brush of her mouth. Without meaning to, he began to breathe more heavily than usual. His heart sped up in his chest. She was right there, really right there, not a dream or a mirage. It was a long, long moment before he realized that his back was bare and his knickers were on display. That's enough, he muttered sharply, jerking out of the goblin's grip and turning toward them, never taking his eyes from Fleur's face. He heard the goblins laugh nastily, almost as if they had been hoping for this embarrassing turn of events and out of the corner of his eye he saw all three of them bow very low to Fleur. Bill was shocked by their unusual courtesy, but Fleur didn't seem to notice their adulation or to find it at all disconcerting. She only stared back at him. "'You,' she finally managed. Her voice was dry. He recognized it immediately and realized how strange it was that he had not spoken to her for nearly seven months, yet she sounded so familiar." He would have recognized her voice without looking at her, low, lilting with her accent. Beautiful. You, she repeated as if dazed. Bill Weasley. The three goblins straightened up and turned to leer at Bill, clearly nonplussed to learn that he and the charmer knew each other. We were working to determine, one of them said silkily, if he is, in fact, William Weasley. "'Yes, pardon us, Mademoiselle Delacour, as we must escort him back to his office and check the necessary identification. "'And I'll stay to guard this area against further intruders,' Bogsmack said quickly. "'Bill would have gaped if his attention had not been so centered on the pale face at the end of the hall. "'He had never heard goblins sound so cultured nor so polite. "'He was too stunned, both by Fleur's presence and by their odd behavior, to protest when two goblins moved to either side of him, took his arms, and propelled him away from the temporary staff corridor toward his own quarters. 
Fleur watched him leave, her mouth still partly open, and he did not take his eyes from hers until he had rounded the corner and lost sight of her. He hardly noticed the goblins after that. In his office, he went through the motions of proving his identity, all the while unable to think in a straight line. Fleur, in London, at Gringotts. Bill ushered the goblins out, noticing absently that they seemed peeved at being unable to kick him out of the bank altogether. He swung his badge around his neck and went to shut his desk drawer, but first withdrew the note from Charlie. These spells are exactly like the ones your old girlfriend used during the war. I'm serious, he muttered aloud. Charlie, you total bastard. He'd had no warning, though he could have had one from his brother, and Fleur had caught him by surprise in a rather humiliating position. I'll get you, he muttered at the parchment, then crumpled it up and tossed it into the waste bin. She's here. She's right down that hall. Go on. Find her. Show her around. Ask her how she came to be here. Ask her how she is. Ask her if she knew you were here before she took the job. Give it five minutes, and it'll be just like it was before. You know it. You felt it. Bill leaned over and rested his hands on the desk, still breathing oddly, still unable to believe whom he'd just seen. He thought about crying off work and running to the pub, or to the ministry, or home, to his mother. A knock on the door sent Bill three feet into the air. Come in, he called, his voice cracking for the first time in at least eight years. The door opened, and Bill forced himself to look up. She stood there, so beautiful that he couldn't really comprehend it. He told himself again and again he'd glamorized her memory, that she hadn't really been perfect, but he'd grossly understated it instead. She was beyond perfect. She was... She was a Vila. Bill remembered that fact with sudden fierceness and sat down abruptly in his chair. He hadn't thought about it in a long time. He hadn't had to, but she'd tricked him once. The feelings he was having, he'd had them before. They were overpowering, yes, but they weren't real feelings. They were induced by her magic, or her whatever it was. She'd manipulated him, and then left without a word the next morning. He remembered that feeling. It had been real enough. It wasn't going to happen again. Hello, he said with surprising evenness. Come in. Fleur hesitated, then stepped into the office and shut the door behind her. Torches burned in sconces on either side of her, sending light across her hair and skin. She swallowed visibly, then smiled at him. Bill wondered how long his resolve was going to last in the wake of a smile like that. He looked down at his papers, took up a quill, and tapped it needlessly against a bit of parchment as if he were going to take notes. He glanced up at her. Fleur, what was it? Delacour, she said, very quietly, her eyes alight. You remember me. He cursed himself inwardly. They hadn't said her first name. He'd remembered that from months ago. He shouldn't have admitted it. Of course, he said briskly. You did the diversion enchantments for my brother last February. And out at Azkaban yesterday, he added, for good measure. Oh, then you... Fleur's forehead creased slightly between her eyebrows. You knew I was here? The accent was killing him. Sure, he said lightly. Charlie said the charms you set up were fantastic. That's great news. 
She smiled again. Yes. It was odd, but they should keep the rubble away. I thought it was so interesting what your brother... She pronounced the word carefully, and Bill remembered that she had once said, Brother is trying with the dragons. I hope it works. Well, I can't see why it wouldn't, Bill said, looking down at his paperwork again. He found he couldn't concentrate when he looked at her, and vowed to kick Charlie's ass when he got home. There was supposed to be a nice, strong, love-charm repellent on him. It should have worked on everything, from simple kissing solutions to Vila airwaves, and it wasn't working at all. Her power was stronger than whatever Charlie had done. She even had the goblins falling all over themselves, and Bill realized he wasn't going to be able to control himself much longer with her in his space. He wanted to talk to her, tell her everything, act as if no time had passed. He had an idiotic feeling that it was what he was supposed to do, and that she even wanted him to do it. I did not know you worked for Gringotts. She was coming closer to his desk, dropping pensively into the chair across from his. I worried... I am glad you were not hurt in Zivar. She wondered. She's thought about it. Thanks, Bill said, feeling quite strangled by her proximity. He couldn't look up, but even as he pretended to be occupied with his papers, he caught glimpses of the swinging blonde hair and of slim hands clasped together on the edge of his desk. I'm, uh, glad you're all right as well. He randomly shuffled a few forms. I don't suppose your sister was ever found. His voice was low. He hadn't been able to help asking, and when he noticed her fingers tremble in response, he watched his own hands reach across the desk. Her fingers slid into his grasp, and they held tightly to each other, instinctively, as they had in the trench. Gabrielle is gone. And your brother? Percy's dead. Bill looked up, knowing what he'd see. Her eyes were as dark and sad as they had been once. But his wife had a baby, Bill told her, watching her face brighten as he spoke. Just yesterday. She was pregnant when... And it's a boy. I have a picture. My little sister took a bunch with some sort of muggle thing, so it doesn't move like a normal one, but... Please, may I see it? Bill let go of one of her hands and fished in his pocket for the snapshot. Ginny had taken loads of them, enough for everyone, and Bill thought he'd gotten the best of the lot. Little Percy's eyes were open, pale blue and wondering, and his mouth was wide. Oh! Fleur took the picture, and after studying it for a long time, gave Bill a brilliant smile, though her eyes swam with tears. He is perfect. I know. What is his name? Percival Leander. Congratulations. Fleur stood without letting go of Bill's other hand, and leaned across the desk. Before Bill knew what was coming, she had swiftly kissed both of his cheeks, and she left her face against his for a brief moment. Her cheek was soft. She smelled like rain. Bill drew a deep breath and leaned closer, wondering how he had lasted so long since their first meeting, feeling his blood pound in all the parts of him that counted. Fleur drew back slightly letting her mouth rest just to the left of his, and Bill very nearly forgot that he was at work, and that the desk between them was not technically intended by Gringotts Bank to serve as anything other than a desk. Oh, I hoped I would see you, she was saying quietly. He felt her whisper move across his skin. 
But I did not really think. I sometimes thought that it was never real. Bill pulled back quite suddenly and looked at her. So did I, he said slowly. Mostly because you disappeared. He let go of her hand and waited for an answer. He hadn't meant to let the conversation get this far. He'd meant to keep everything professional, to behave as if nothing had ever passed between them, which it hadn't. Not really. Not if she'd charmed him. But as long as they weren't going to pretend anything, he needed answers. Where the hell did you go? And why? She flushed and looked disconcerted. I am sorry, she said. I was needed somewhere else, and when my escort arrived, we did not have time to wait. You could have at least woken me. I am sorry, she repeated, keeping her eyes on his. Forgive me. And after all we talked about, well, I didn't know what to think, I'll tell you that. He laughed roughly, trying not to show how much her sudden departure had hurt him. Bill. Right, and you knew my full name. You could have looked me up if you were so worried about me. Fleur didn't answer. Neither did she move her gaze. It was deep and blue and sorrowful and impossible to look away from. Stop looking at me like that, Bill snapped, wondering if this was how she hypnotized people. He tried to take his eyes away and couldn't. Please let me. No, stop looking at me. Never mind. I'm making an ass of myself, and it's not even my fault, is it? Bill forced another laugh. Look, you don't have to explain. I know what you are. I know what really happened. The longing expression in Fleur's eyes vanished and was instantly replaced by something else, something cool and shallow. Her face became a mask. She looked prettier than she ever had, but the prettiness was brittle. The depth of her beauty was gone. She was a doll girl, suddenly, and not a woman. The transition shocked Bill. And what am I? she asked quietly, her tone dangerous. Bill swallowed. You're a Vila, he said. He hadn't meant it to sound like an accusation, but Fleur visibly recoiled. Yes, I am, she said haughtily after a pause. I am one-quarter Vila, not a pure blood. Not that you would know anything about the differences. She stood and smoothed her robes, flashing him an artful smile. He flinched, not certain as to why. Well, it was lovely speaking with you, Monsieur Weasley. She went to the door. Wait, he said, standing. I didn't mean anything by it. I'm just saying, you know, if you're part Vila, then the chances are I was, well, acting under the influence. Fleur smiled at him again, another perfect, heartless smile that made him feel a little sick. Of course you were, she said, and reached for the door handle. Look, you're going to need a guide around the bank, so whether you're going to speak to me or not, the goblins will be more than helpful, I assure you. She opened the door and swept through it, gave him one last dazzling smile, so bright that it made Bill's eyes hurt, then shut the door between them without further ceremony. Before it slammed into place, he thought he heard her mutter, I should have known.